Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Please rise for the reading of our first lesson, which comes from us through the power of the Holy Spirit from Leviticus 19, 15 through 18. Let us attend to the wisdom of God's word. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go around spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Good morning. Okay, so how many of you have ever been told by a parent or a person of authority to not to do something? Yeah. How many of you at some point decided to do it anyways? For those of you who raised your hands to both questions, did you get hurt or suffer some kind of negative consequence from this action? Yeah. As a child, I remember having lots of cuts and bruises and scrapes from falling off of or into objects after being told not to run or not to climb on the object. When I fell down doing something I wasn't supposed to, my mother used to say, see, the devil got you, in an attempt to keep me from doing it again. Sometimes as humans, it is hard for us to comprehend the word no. The more somebody tells us not to do something, such as eat too much candy before dinner, the more tempting that candy looks. We don't necessarily think about the fact that we aren't supposed to eat that candy because we will have sick tummies afterwards. No, at the time, most of us will be thinking, hmm, I'm gonna go eat that candy anyways because I want it, or I'm gonna go eat it just because they told me no. In this same way, God's people do this in the Bible. God is gracious and loves his people, just as he says in 1 John 4:19, we love because God first loved us. He loves his followers and intends to take care of them, so he sends them laws through Moses. However, they are a bunch of do-nots instead of do's. Do not go about spreading slander. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Of course, since they are laws, people follow them. But as time progresses, the true meaning of these laws seems to fade away. For example, in Leviticus 19.26, when the Lord decrees, do not eat any meat with the blood still in it. This is such a straightforward law, so simple that people just kind of graze over it. They believe that if they eat this meat, they are sinning, nothing more. They just think that God doesn't want to eat the meat, they don't, that he doesn't want them to eat the meat with no specific reason. His people don't seem to grasp that there's a, a, there is a specific reason, such as eating raw meat causes sickness. All they know is that they were told no. 
Every law God has laid down has a specific reason for our safety and the safety of others, such as do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Do you think God would appreciate it if people were to just run around hurting others and themselves? No. This is why he gave us, his people, his children, rules. He loves us and doesn't want to see us get hurt. My grandparents love to tell the story about how when my father was a child, he loved to do things he wasn't supposed to. My favorite are the specific times that he would touch the hot cornbread skillet on the stove right after being told no. My grandmother used to put the cornbread skillet on the stove and look at him and say, don't touch that cornbread skillet now. And later they would go by and see him kind of holding his hand, just walking around. And they were like, did you touch that cornbread skillet? No, I didn't touch it, I don't know. But to his defense, he says that she never told him that it was hot. Sometimes we tend to act this way with God. But like parents, he knows when we have disobeyed him. It's not something we can hide, especially from the Lord. Even though we touch our own cord bread skillets in our lives, especially when it comes to loving our neighbors, God still loves us anyways. He loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son down to suffer for our sins. To show praise for our God and his amazing grace, let us go forth into the world, loving our neighbors as God intended, even though they may not respect nor adhere to the word no. Let us lead our lives following his commandments he has laid down for us, never questioning them. Let us go out knowing that everything God does is for our good and for the good of others. Amen. Those who are able, please stand for the reading of our second lesson, which comes from Luke chapter 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs for, for, from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you were to love those who love you, what benefit is that for you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that for you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is the king to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, as faith is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. It is a command that seems beyond our ability to attain. Jesus calls us to love our enemies. There are two kinds of people in the world, according to what Jesus teaches us in the previous verses, Luke 6, 20-26 people who suffer for his namesake and have his blessing, or people who live for themselves and come to an unhappy end. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil for my namesake. Luke 6:22. When we are serving the Lord, people are going to hate us, exclude us, insult us, and reject us. But what are we to do about that? 
Our natural response would be, to, would be for us to hate and hurt them. That's the philosophy of our world and flesh. But Jesus calls us to love. Love is many things in our culture. For many, it can be compared to an electrical charge. Either the zap of feeling is there or it isn't. For others, love is an arrangement, almost like a contract. Sometimes it's voluntary, other times it's imposed by circumstance. Often, such love is managed by performance. Love is worth. Humans want to be loved to feel like they are enough. Love is demonstrated by what you have done for me. If you really cared for me, you would do this. Filio is a Greek word for love, the love that we have in this world. The love for those who love us. It is worldly and it's conditional. It's the how is this relationship going to benefit me kind of love. Agape is a Greek word for unconditional love. It is how God loves. It is a love that gives and it is a love we have when our foundation is in Christ. It's the kind of love that Jesus calls us to have. And it's the only kind of love that makes this commandment possible. But how do we show it? Loving our enemies is not simply a lack of retaliation. Loving our enemies does not mean that I do not punch that girl in the face. Loving our enemies does not mean that we do not treat them how they treat us. Jesus is calling for a positive action towards our enemies, to do good to those who hate us. There is no excuse for not treating people well. We are never excused from this command. There is no, yeah, but she stole my boyfriend, or yeah, but she talks about me behind my back. We are never justified for not treating people well. Not only are our actions to be positive towards our enemies, but our words are to also be positive. It is difficult to respond with words of grace and kindness when someone is cursing us, and it is our flesh to respond with the same fury and intensity that we are encountering. But Jesus is calling for an unnatural response, love. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do not mistreat those who mistreat you. Do good for them, speak graciously of them, and pray to God for them. Pray that they will become a disciple of Jesus. But here's the tricky part. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, growing up, that was something I always, that we would always hear. It's the golden rule. And I knew it was something I always wanted to achieve. I always wanted to be the girl that people thought was nice to everyone. But without a firm foundation in Christ, it's impossible. Give to everyone who asks. At my school, every Saturday, a team loads up a bus and heads over to the Habitat house we were assigned for that school year. And I think I went once in all four years of high school. But that isn't even the hardest part of this passage for me to abide by. If anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. What? You mean to tell me if my sister takes my favorite dress back to college with her, I'm supposed to let her have it? Or if one of my friends borrows my t-shirt, she can keep it? Yes, because Jesus calls us to love. The word says, but Jesus, but love your enemies, do good to those, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great. You'll be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Jesus is summarizing his teaching. Love your enemies, do good towards your enemies, lend to your enemies and don't expect repayment. And notice the benefits of this life Jesus is calling us to. Our reward will be great. That is what the godly life is all about. It is difficult to do good when our, to our enemies and not retaliate, but God is going to reward us for making sacrifices. We cannot begin to imagine the, what the reward will look like when the God who created all things says our, we will have a great reward. And we will be children of the Most High. It is a picture of privilege, having God as our Father. We are His children and we can have a close, intimate relationship with Him. We are not separated from God, but we are in the family of God. 
God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, and he loves them, and we must do the same. We need to be merciful just as our Heavenly Father is merciful, and think about the good things God has done for us while we were enemies and sinful. We need to do good and be merciful to our enemies because of what God did for us. We need to love both our neighbor and our enemy because it is what Jesus calls us to do. Amen. I hate her. No, you don't. You're just really mad at her. No way. I hate her. I hate her more than I hate peace. More than I hate having my cell phone taken away. More than I've ever hated anyone in my entire life. I hope she dies. Or gets her shampoo substituted with Nair and all her hair falls out. Yeah, girl, you have every reason I hate her. After what she did to you, man, she's still lucky to be. Well, you might have gone a little overboard with the whole I hope she dies thing. But you should totally look into that Nair stunt. I think her back a little baldness. Oh, you don't hate her. Hate isn't good for the soul. You know what's good for the soul? Posting all her secrets on Twitter. That's totally what I'm going to do. The time she forgot to study for the test and cheated on someone else that's going out to the world. That time she spilled chocolate milk all over it and blamed it on someone else. She's busted. I'm going to let it all out. You know that won't make you feel better, right? Whatever. It'll totally make her feel better. And besides, the misery she'll get from that humiliation is just a fraction of the pain she caused you. My life is over. Your life isn't over. You'll be fine. You're hurting right now, and it's okay to hurt. This is a painful time, and you need to take time to feel sad. But tomorrow, you'll feel a little better. And the day after that, you'll feel even more better. And eventually, this day will just be a bad memory. What she did to you was not nice. But you'll gain nothing by being back, mean back to her. Whatever. It says in the Bible, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. She ruined my life, so I'm going to ruin hers. We were in love. Don't you understand that? He was totally the hottest guy I have ever met. His blue eyes, the way he flipped his hair to the side just like Justin Bieber. We were going to spend our lives together, and then she just comes to take him away from me. I will never be happy again. There, there. I'll help you get that backstabbing, mm, no good boyfriend stealer back. She won't know it hit her. Jesus actually said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. He also said, I love you, your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus wants me to do what? Yeah, Jesus wants her to do what? Love her enemies and pray for them. Jesus must be crazy. Ain't no way this poor girl is going to have her boyfriend stolen out from under her without some consequences. Oh, there will be consequences. But the consequence is that our girl here is hurting. And she's going to hurt for a while. But she's not going to seek revenge. Instead, she's going to pray. Pray? Pray. For a house to fall on her? No, pray that she feels God love. Pray. <laughs> Dear God, I'm hurting right now. My friend has done me wrong. And as much as I want to get revenge for what she did to me, I know that's not what you want me to do. I know you want me to love her, to pray for her. So here I am. Please be with her. Help her feel your love just as I do. Amen. All who are 
are able, please rise for the reading of our third lesson, which comes to us through the power of the Holy Spirit from Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Listen again to God's word. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Please be seated. Good morning. What comes to your mind when you hear the word enemy? Is it the person at work that gives you snide looks and steals your parking spot every day? Or is it that woman that always reprimands your kids at the pool? What about that one student that never fails to remind your teacher you had homework the night before? We see these people as enemies because they're working against us. They don't want us to succeed. Now imagine that you have to give that one guy at work a $50 gift card to a nice restaurant to take his wife out to dinner. Or you have to take that woman who reprimanded your kid out to lunch. Or maybe you're assigned to work with that kid on your next project in class. You have to reach out to the people that are your enemies because it's what God calls us to do. It's in the law from Moses that God commands us to love our neighbors and hate our enemies. But now Jesus goes a little further and pushes our faith and dedication to living like Christ. He commands us to love our neighbors and our enemies. We need to push past the comfort we feel when we love others that love us because it's easy to love those who love you. It's natural. One of the definitions of an enemy is a thing that harms or weakens something else. When we have enemies and we have hate in our hearts, we're weakened. The hate in our hearts pulls us into sin and our love for Christ is weakened. We cannot love fully, we cannot embrace others. God tells us that even tax collectors and people that don't know God love their friends. If you only love your friends and family, you're not doing enough. You're not trying hard enough to live like Christ. Even as Jesus was dying on the cross, being laughed at and humiliated and hated, he still prayed for those who were hurting him. When I think about loving my enemies, I hit an emotional wall. I get an emotional block of pride and immaturity. There's this girl at my school that I really don't like, and she makes me angry for a multitude of reasons, but I will refrain. And when I think about loving her, I almost laugh because it feels so impossible. And I know that it's honestly impossible to love her on my own, but I feel like she doesn't deserve it. I don't think my enemies deserve my love. But then I think, who am I to hold my love to such a high standard because compared to the value of God's love, ours is meaningless. But without God, how could we love? The power of God's love is so immense that through him we can love our enemies, and only through him can we love our enemies. We need God because it's impossible to humble yourself. And when I say that, I mean your mom can humble you or your kids can humble you, but can you wholeheartedly rid yourself of your pride and hate? Not without God. Attempting to love your enemies is impossible without God. We aren't strong enough. God tells us to be perfect, and the first time I read this, I thought it was kind of sassy. And then I realized it's supposed to be sassy because it's an impossible command. But God is perfect. He can love his enemies and those who hate him and those who don't believe in him. And we have the ability to pray and talk to God. And through that, we can pray for humility and acceptance towards our enemies. But without God in our hearts, without love, 
and without the ability to, to accept others and their beliefs, morals, and actions, we cannot love our enemies. We need love. We need to accept people who aren't like us, and we need to try and live like God. And the only way for us to be able to do any of this is with God and through God, because this commandment is impossible without God. Amen. All who are able, please rise for the reading of our final lesson, which comes to us through the power of the Holy Spirit from Romans 12, 14 through 21 in the Message Translation. Listen again to God's word. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh when your happy friends are happy. Share tears when they're, when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. Don't insist on getting even. It's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let the evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I have always heard and even memorized the verses about love. I most often hear them read at weddings or even funerals. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful, arrogant or rude. It bears all things, hopes all things, love never ends. I always thought those words were beautiful, but I never fully understood what they meant. But here in these verses, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, paints a very clear picture of what love looks like and what it requires. When I think about the picture Paul would paint, I see tall mountains and low valleys. The mountains represent the happy times and the valleys represent the sad times. Just as it is impossible to have mountains without valleys, it is equally impossible to have joy without sorrows. The scripture passage reminded me of a story that further helped explain what God calls us to do. A little girl who was coming home late for supper, her mother made the expected irate parents demand to know where she had been. The little girl replied that she had stopped to help Janie, whose bicycle was broken in a fall. But you don't know anything about fixing bicycles, her mother responded. I know that, said the little girl. I just stopped to help her cry. As Christians, we are called to be with people who are grieving. As a personal experience, having someone there for you through tough times, someone to help you cry, will make things easier. What we are called to do as Christians is to look to the other person instead of looking at yourself first. Paul goes even further than this. He pushes us to do what is even crazy or unnatural. But when we follow Jesus Christ, we don't return evil for evil. We don't look for revenge, no matter how hard things might be. We don't seek an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth because it would leave us as a blind and toothless world. Rather, we follow Jesus, and what becomes natural for us is feeding our enemies when they are hungry, clothing the ones who are naked, and as scripture says, your generosity will repay him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. That generosity might even surprise us. It is not easy to treat your enemies with goodness and almost impossible without God's help. This is why we, this is why we are called to follow him, and he will guide our hearts to do good. If we look close enough, you can see Jesus' face in the face of your enemies. Serve your enemies like you would serve Jesus Christ. 
Jesus loved his enemies by forgiving them, even as they were nailing him to the cross. He spoke out and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus has loved me by showing me forgiveness. The ultimate example of not returning evil for evil is when Jesus is willing to go to the cross by his death. He helped us overcome sin and evil that separate us from God and from each other. That is the greatest love. That is the love we have received. That is the love we are called to share. A couple of months ago, the world witnessed a gruesome beheading of 21 Coptic Christians in Libya by the militant Islamic group ISIS. I came across the video entitled, A Letter from the People to the Cross to ISIS. To, this, to me, this letter is a powerful way that Jesus calls us to respond to the evils of the world. Now I close by reading the letter. The world is talking about you. Your apocalyptic dreams and spectacular sins are now awakening in the Middle East. In your holy war, come to holy ground. Come, children of Abraham, come. The people of the cross gather at your gates with a message. Love is coming after you, like a rush of wind grazing over the Pacific. From the hills of the Mount of Olives to the desert winds of Jordan, from the cedars of Lebanon to the silk roads of the east. An army comes with no tanks or soldiers, but an army faithful unto death, carrying a message of life. Carrying a, the people of the cross come to die at your gates. If you won't hear a message with words, then we will show you with our lives, laid down. For every throat you slit, for every woman you rape, for every man you burn alive, and for every child you turn to dust, there is blood on your hands, brother. But come, brother, come. Come with your blood-stained hands. Come with your eyes full of murder for the people of the cross. Come lay down your guns and knives at the foot of the cross. A love that is overdue and overwhelming breathes through your cities. Though your sins are like scarlet, they can be washed white as snow. Though you call yourself servants, he will make you sons. Where can you run from his love? Even darkness cannot hide you. Come, brother, come. There is a sound of rushing rain to remove every sin and bind every wound. You die for your God, our God died for us. The King of Kings comes to be the sacrificial lamb, slain on the altar where we would, should have been. Jesus Christ walks through the Middle East. There's forgiveness tonight, O oh brother. There is healing for our sins. We are no different. Apart from his blood, we are no worse than the worst jihadists. Christ has been crucified once and for all to make sinners like you and me into brothers, even you, even now. Amen.